0: Where's it coming from?
1: Let's find out. Welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher, and with me is Morgana. Tonight we're welcoming experienced woodsman Chad Redding, co-host of the Strange Familiars podcast and Tim Renner's research
2: partner. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for coming.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It's a pleasure and an honor.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Um... So you're you're kind of known as the the uh sort of wilderness guy yeah. of, of strange familiars, which I think is extremely cool because one of my oldest friends here in Athens, we call him wilderness guy, but <laughs> you're Eastern Woodlands wilderness guy, and he's Pacific Northwest uh Alaska wilderness guy. So similar but not the same.
2: Exactly. Um,
1: yeah, so I I understand the whole idea. Um, tell us when you first started experiencing the other, or the strangeness, or the. Oh,
2: I honestly think that I've been experiencing it pretty much my whole life. I just didn't recognize it, if that makes any sense. So yeah. I I grew up in an area I I live, and I'm from an area of, of Western York County. I'm close to the Adams County in York and a uh, York County border in South central Pennsylvania. Uh, there's an area of highlands that are heavily wooded known as the pigeon Hills and uh, contrary to popular belief, they are not named for the passenger pigeons that used to be really prevalent in that area. They're actually named for the surveyor whose last name was pigeon. So, that's why they have the name Pigeon Hills, but most people think it's all oh, because there's passenger pigeons. No, so but anyways, um, it's an area known for some some weirdness in itself. I mean, uh, me and Tim did an episode on uh, on the Pigeon Hills, and apparently there was an old Mennonite road with flaming kids and a strange a strange death with a sign, and UFOs have always been seen in the area. And also, there was there used to be a hollow that, had, that was known for lights uh, showing. But unfortunately, that hollow is now underwater <laughs> because of a damned, damned lake. But the lights still appear every once in a while above the lake. So
1: Interesting.
2: Yeah. So, I think I've always been around it growing up. And I never really realized it. So there was always some strange things that happened to me in the wood, in the woods of the Pigeon Hills because I always want I know I know every tree, every rock, every crick, every hollow of that area because I roamed it constantly as a kid. And uh my family is from that area. We're five generations plus deep now in that area. So the blood runs strong if that makes any sense. So yeah, that makes oh, perfect has, sense. So but, um, yeah, so I, I've had a lot of stuff happen I couldn't explain. And then it just, one day when I had that encounter at White Rocks as an adult, you know, it, it was kind of like, I think it was calling all the time. And now all of a sudden, I can't get away. The isauron is on me. So.
1: <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Go ahead.
2: No, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Uh, I was going to say, you know, when you live in the same place and your family is from the same place from generation after generation, I feel like the energy of that place just sort of seeps in, maybe not on a DNA level, but on a... A bodily level in addition to a spiritual level, such that sometimes you don't notice the spiritual oddity of the place at all because you're so used to it. It's almost like you grew up not immune to it, but it was just the water in which you grew. You know, fish don't know that water exists until they're taken out of it.
2: Right. And right. so
1: you you may just have not realized and also when you're a kid sometimes you just don't realize that that really is strange.
2: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. I I just grew up with this stuff and you know, we had a lot of um my great grandmother was uh quite interesting. So we had we had some old legends within my family and then um we also you know you, we had the you had the old powwow tradition in the area and all that which is slowly sadly dying out in the um, in York County i think it's still more prevalent in Berks County and areas like that but it's not as strong as it used to be in York County i remember as a you know we had the famous switch trial here in York County right in the 20s with Ray Meyer and you know i remember as a kid asking my father about you know powwow and he's like oh I don't want to talk about that he didn't want to talk about it but you know we had some prevalent powwows in the, in the area here you know and I just grew up with it and like you said you're just it's in it's all around you <laughs> it's in the air you yeah. breathe it's in it's in the rocks you sit on it's you know it's in the trees you touch you know it's everywhere and it just becomes part of you I think. You know, and as I got older, I started noticing things and, you know, I knew there was something going on, but I just kind of wrote it off. And, you know, I was pixie led in the very woods I knew, you know, at one time and seeing strange lights. You know, there's a set of trees in the Pigeon Hills that they're some of the biggest oaks that I've ever seen. And it was like one grove. And we went in there one time and it was and it was close to winter solstice. And we, we you had to literally cross a field to get into the trees. It was just like the farmer never cut those trees down for obvious reasons, probably. And me and my cousins, you know, we penetrated through the brambles. There were brambles all around it. And we got in there and we were in there. And then we just had the oddest feeling. Oh, we shouldn't be in here. <laughs> so then we left, you know. And then one time we were wandering those that particular patch of woods and around it, not in those. And that, and that woodlot. And I knew all these trails above my grandparents' house, like I said, like the back of my hand. And we're wandering around and it felt like we were gone forever. You know, we couldn't find a way out forever. And when I got back to the house, to my grandparents' house, my watch was like two hours ahead of where their clock was. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's backwards.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it, they only oh. thought we were gone for 15 minutes, and for us, it felt like two hours oh. and, or longer. And, you know, expl- I don't know how to explain that. So Yeah,
1: watch us, watch us gain in two hours. That's, that's uh... We
2: were wandering in these woods for two hours trying to find our way out, and in, I'm leading the way, and my other cousin lived in the area also. Now, he didn't know the woods as that section as well as i did and my other cousin wasn't from that area it wasn't you know he was visiting and we just couldn't get out and it was probably that particular section of woods was probably only i don't know five acres you know because you know the woods are broken up by roads and fields and all that and we just just couldn't find a way out it was it was crazy it was crazy you know and i'm like We've been in here for like two hours. You know, when are we going to get out of here? And and I managed to get back and I got back to the house and they're like, "Well, you only been gone for like fifteen minutes." Well, what's with this thing? <laughs> you know. So.
1: Oh man, no. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Usually
1: yeah. it's you. You lose hours. You don't gain them. That's. We gained.
2: Mm. We gained. So <laughs> that was quite odd. You know. Yeah. And, yeah,
1: that's uh,
2: Yeah, yeah, it, and that's like when you know that time we now I'm kind of like jumping around here and I apologize for that. But that's like that time when we went into that patch of woods and we're like, you know, we shouldn't be here. You know, we we're like, oh wow, this is cool. And I just kind of looked at them. And I said, we need to go. And they're like, uh, why? Why? I'm like, I don't know. We just don't belong here right now. And then my other cousin, who one cousin was by marriage and the other one was by blood. And my other cousin by blood looked at me and he goes, yeah, I think it's time for us to leave. And then we left. And then after that I lived, it was near my grandparents' house. And I lived one hill over. And we, at the time I lived in a, a farm house. that had like four acres of land and there was a section, the house was on the hill and then you kind of go down into this little Creek Valley. And it went down to the Creek Valley and there were like odd footprints, like, walking around down there, like came up near the house, went back down into the Creek Valley and all that. So it's like we disturbed something that we shouldn't have mm-hmm. disturbed. And then we were being watched after that.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: it was quite an interesting time.
1: <laughs> That's nice. So, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The yeah.
1: goblins. Well, <laughs> yeah. my
2: grandmother, my great grandmother had a name, and this goes back to the Pigeon Hill episode of the Scrat. You know, which I think Tim translated as the Moss people or something like that. Cause she was, when I was eight years old Now I'm going to tell the story again, obviously, because you know, even though I did tell it in the the podcast episode, but it's still, it's still a cool story. Yeah. I went over to my grandparents again and uh, my grandfather, bless his soul. Me and him were the only males in the family. So all the, all the rest were females and I don't need that as an insult
1: no, uh, but I do know what you mean.
2: Right. <laughs> so we were outnumbered. We were outnumbered, exactly. And uh, my great grandmother was over, and she was very, very, very Pennsylvania Dutch. And my grandmother, who was also Pennsylvania Dutch, was over. And my grandmother and my great grandmother did not get along because, mm. by my, by my great grandmother's idea, she was never good enough from a grandfather. You know, he was mm. one of 13 kids. So <laughs> I said to Grandpa, I came in the house. He he happened to be inside, and I said, "Well, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to I'm going to go play up in the woods, which I always did. I was always up there. You know, I'd go up. You know, I, we'd show up. I'd go up, and then the the deal was, you know, just stay in earshot, which of course I always broke. Yeah. And I went. And I was like, Grandpa, I'm going up. My grandmother, great grandmother, was sitting by the uh, wood stove. And she heard me say this and she said, Russ, you can't let him go up there. And he goes, well, what do you mean? And he goes up there all the time. And she goes, she goes, scratton will get him. Scratton will get him. And, she, and he's like, what are you talking about? And then, and he's like, mother, don't worry about it. He'll be fine, you know. Well, then, of course, they got in this huge argument. My grandmother then said, he can go up there. He can do what he wants. He's up here, up there all the time and blah, blah, blah. And my great grandmother was so insistent that if I go up there, I was probably, I don't know, eight, nine or 10. And I'm standing there. I'm like, what did I do wrong? Yeah. <laughs> and they're, yeah. Having, they're having this huge argument over whether I could go into the woods or not because her father had told her she didn't live in the pigeon Hills. She lived out outside of them in a, a little town or village called St- near Stoverstown, town. And, um, they would go visit relatives in the Pigeon Hills and her father would always tell her, I guess that so would have been my great, great grandfather would always tell her don't go wandering in the Pigeon Hills because the scratton lives up there and it will get you, you know? And she described it as this, you know, short whatever with, you know, claws and teeth or whatever in her mind. And she's like, you can't let him go. And it was a huge fight. And then finally my grand. you know, I'm just doing the short version of the story. And my grandfather finally said, "Come on, we're going outside." And he fi- he got mad enough. He finally said, "Look, I'm going to let him go in the woods. I'll yell for him every once in a while, and I'll keep an eye on him. Is that okay? All right." But I really don't think he should go. And then and then I went out and I said to Grandpa, "I said, do I really have to yell? You know, yell for?" He's like, "No, just go." He goes, "I'll just pretend." So <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've, so but go ahead, Morgan. Yeah.
0: I wonder if that's just the divide between your family being from there versus her being town bred almost. Well, yeah, I was you, say, you're like, no, we understand this place. We're from here.
2: Well, she like, she grew up on a farm, actually. So I don't know if it's if it was because my grandfather and him lived up there, and she didn't live up there at all because my grandmother. His family lived over the hill from where they lived, so maybe you're right, maybe you're right I don't I don't know. I don't know. but that was just one of the little legends I grew up with. so family monster, whatever you want to call it.
0: <laughs> I mean I grew up with my grandmother's house was haunted and everybody knew it and we all every so often we'd all like talk about who saw the ghost this year. <laughs> So, I get you on that one.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was I was lucky. Um, I was allowed to run around in the woods, and and you know I was warned against things like rattlesnakes and copperheads, and you know, neighbors' wild dogs. That that that's that's all I. If I took the dogs with me, I could go. So I, I didn't have to worry about the scratton. Um. <laughs> But I still, you know, I saw weird stuff in the woods anyway. I just knew not to tell everybody that I saw it. So.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, well.
1: Me
0: me and my best friend, um, when we were kids, she lived out more in the country than I did. Um, And so I would spend a lot of time on the weekends there. And those woods were weird. But we had the whistle rule and the bring the dog with you rule. And as long as you brought the dog and stayed within whistle range, (laughs) we could go do whatever we wanted.
2: Oh, that was cool. Yeah. See, See, I didn't have a dog and, um, I, but I wandered alone on by myself a lot. I mean, it. I still do. I still do. You know, I, I go on a lot of camping trips by myself and, um, I don't know. I always felt comfortable more. I tell people this all the time. I feel more comfortable and safe in, this, in the woods. And that's not just the Pigeon Hills. I mean, any woods, especially, you know, the woods in my area than I do in town. So. And I can I don't, see that. Yeah. I don't know why.
3: Yeah.
1: It's where you're comfortable.
2: Exactly. Exactly. I mean I, I would go up we have a lot of of rock formations in the pigeon hills and uh, I would go up and, and uh, to this one hill above the house I lived in when I was a kid and I would ride my bike up there and then I climb up into the up into the woods and I get up you know ditch the bike hide it and then go up into the woods and I just sit on that rock formation just hang out you know all the time there and just just think and just you know plot <laughs> You know how to take over the world? No, but um, just sit there and just chill out. You know, and I've always, I don't know, I've always been comfortable with 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 the with the woods. Um, I love trees. I mean, I think trees are great. I I really really love trees, and I'm not. I don't go around hugging trees, but um, I just I love trees. I think they're cool, especially old gnarly trees that just have like a yeah. lot of character. You know, you. I really respect an old tree that's been around for a long time, and I'm just like, and I just stop and thinking like, what has this thing seen? You know, what stories can it tell that you know, that I, that I, you know, I'm just passing through to the to this thing, to this old elder being, you know. Yeah. So I have very deep respect for trees. So,
1: but yeah, I. I, I I feel you. I used to like to go and just sit in the woods. The dogs, I had three of them with me, two farm dogs and then my dog. And, you know, they would sort of hunt around as a pack and, and just kind of go sniffing around. Mm-hmm. And I'd just sit under a tree or up on a rock in the middle of the creek and just disappear into the woods and just meld into the woods right sit there long enough that I could hear you know animals moving and and the sound of the the wind in the trees and I could tell which trees were rustling and which weren't and that was that was cool and and I realized um a few times when my grandmother would send my uncle out to find me sometimes he couldn't see me and I felt like I was in pure plain sight but I was in that I was in that um, mindset of I'm part of the forest and he would walk past me. And, you know, so when I saw Obi-Wan Kenobi do that in the movie, you know, these aren't the droids you're looking for. I was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> I know how that works.
2: <laughs> woodland mind trick.
1: Yes. Woodland mind trick. I am. woodsman mind forest.
2: trick? Oh, you
1: my. You may not see me.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I when I go out, and and there's are certain areas that have more presence than others. Okay, I really believe that there are areas that have more that are more I don't know woo for not a, you know, lack of a better word, but yeah. I I also think presence is a good name for it too, that just have more presence than than other places, and and usually it's like a specific spot. It could be like. You know a hollow or the top of a hill or you know just just a certain even small place where where a trail ends or something like that and even then sometimes the rocks have even the rocks themselves have a feel you know I I remember this is this is another cool story I was really close to my grandparents especially my grandfather he was he was like a father to me in a lot of ways and he always took us camping RV camping not the type of camping I do but he had a, an old guy um, he was a miner I think he was from either Wales or England I can't remember his last name was Birkenshire and he was an old miner just a little guy and this guy always looked old to me even when he was like only in his 50s he looked like he was like in his 60s or 70s He had a timeless quality about him and I was trying to make a fire one time even then I was you know practicing these wood skills and he's like he's like oh he's like i was putting this one piece of wood in he goes well that won't burn i said what do you mean it's wood he's like it's not alive i said what are you talking about i said of course it will burn it's wood he goes nah it won't burn it's not alive and and i and i said berkey i said you know it's a piece of wood it was alive and he said well something has to be alive for it to burn and i said what are you talking about and i said what about rocks and he said well when i was in the in the mines because he was a coal miner he said coal would be alive he goes there's pieces of coal that won't burn i said i said come on They're, you know all coal burns he goes no, there's some coal that if it's out of the ground too long it it won't burn it's dead and he said that coal Was even though we think it's you know, of course, it's the remains of of, uh, Animals from prehistoric times He said coal was alive and it would breathe down in the mines You know not oxygen, but it would breathe whatever gases were down in there And he said if you had a piece of coal and it was above ground for too long, it wouldn't burn He said even rocks were alive Because I said well rocks don't burn. He said well if they were in ground then you know, they'll burn and and I By God, I think he's right. So that piece of wood, that would not burn, by the way. (laughs) It was dead too long. That's interesting. Yeah, I I found that that was a really cool piece of lore that stuck with me. And I truthfully believe that. I mean, people may think I'm crazy, but that guy was right. You know?
0: Well, coal does breathe. It breathes methane. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Like
0: he's not wrong. It definitely oh, does no. breathe in the earth. And it's... all rocks do burn. They they do. That's how they make other rocks.
2: Exactly. They're
0: either laid down as sediment and then but that all sedimentary rocks sink down into the magma eventually and burn and make other rocks. Right. Like and I think everything does have have an animating spirit in it, more or less. Um, I talked. We were before we were recording. We talked about finding juju, like finder, the ability to find. Oh yeah. One of the things that I'll do is, I will stumble across stones that are a little more alive and i i'll be walking down a riverbed or something and suddenly have to stop because i'll feel something bend down pick up the right rock and be like okay you have to go somewhere i don't know where you have to go i don't know who you may end up having to go to but you don't belong right here and you want to come with me so we're going to go <laughs> and they always like i you can be like in a in a rock shop and there can be a basket of rocks and a bunch of them won't feel like much of anything, but there'll be one or two that feel alive, is the best way I can explain it. And so I totally, I totally believe that that wood was not alive anymore. Yeah.
2: I, yeah. I, I, he was right because no matter how hard I tried, that piece of wood would not burn. So and it wasn't petrified neither. So
1: that's interesting.
2: Yeah. It, it, it was really cool. And I really thought it was like a, a, a really cool idea and and I I Value old knowledge like that. You know, I I really value like older people who have this knowledge like I have a friend who's an old woodsman down in um, Virginia and he's super knowledgeable about stuff and you know, he's from Virginia and, I mean, he's got a great Virginia accent just like this and yeah, I I value his knowledge tremendously, and you know I have another friend, you know, who's from New Jersey, who's who's the Tom. He's the one that makes the knives we sell on the site and um, on our Etsy shop. And I value his knowledge too. He's highly knowledgeable too. So I try and learn as much from my from these gentlemen as I can. You know, because you know books are one thing, but I don't know. I these guys who've been around a while and seen a lot, they you know, especially if the guys that do what I do that that wander and you know, woods tramp as we call it or woods ramble, you know, they see things that others don't. They see things yeah. that others don't. And it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So, but I mean, that that's one reason why I do what I do is is to see things that others don't. You know, like I I I, uh, I hike. I'm very close to the Appalachian Trail, so I'm probably twenty minutes to a half hour from the AT. And the AT moves through Pennsylvania and like a, at an angle. It yeah moves in a diagonal, and. There are sections of the AT like I'll wander around, especially above uh, Harrisburg. There's a section that actually has like – it used to be called um, St. Anthony's Wilderness is one name for it. And it, I think it's one of the largest sections of – that of will, well, we don't have true wilderness here in Pennsylvania, at least in, in this area. Because at one time, everything was used Logged. for something. Yep. Yeah. Logged or – Iron furnaces prevent a, a, a lot around here, you know.
0: Yeah. So that's Same another here in Yeah.
2: So that's another thing with the Pigeon Hills. You know, the town that I gr- was in and out of my whole life, Spring Grove, used to be called Spring Forge. So yeah. So yeah, we have a lot, of, a long history of iron furnaces. So whether that means something or not, I don't know. <laughs> For us, it seems to. Uh, but um, anyways, uh, there's like five ghost towns in the, in this area. That you can go visit and it's crazy and there's this this uh uh thing i like to go visit it's called the general and it's actually an old steam shovel in the middle of nowhere you know oh, they used wow. to it just sits there you know if you go to my instagram page you can see this thing you know and it's probably it's not an easy hike to get to it i mean it's quite it's quite a uh adventure to get to it but i usually go once a year to go see this thing because one day it's just going to decay and it's not going to be there but it's just wild just to see stuff. I like, I like to find history, you know, historic places like that. That's, that's how we stumbled on the pandemonium. You know, I, in my research of, before I met Tim in my research of, you know, just trying to find new places to find and check out, you know, I was like, Oh, pandemonium, that seems like a cool place. And I, I shoved that in my, in my uh, store of knowledge, you know, for further investigation and then just you know when me and tim started doing what we do i'm like hey man let's go check this out and you know set up the arrangements and off we went and the rest is history you know so to speak <laughs> but we're actually we're talking tonight we're working on another project that's going to involve that place and some others and uh we're starting to make some new uh, how would you put this new observations about it so that's going to be uh an interesting Little uh adventure that we're gonna step onto. I just hope we don't end up getting uh biting off more than we can chew, because that place is is pretty radical. So it's very responsive. Yeah. Very responsive. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I've listened to those episodes and, and it's it's kinda wow. Very, <sighs> very very opinionated. The woods seem opinionated.
2: It, it, it is and it, it draws me that place is one of the places that draw me like it's like come on up you know I just get an urge to go up there and I've been up there a lot more than he has and and it's just like I just like I like going there that and a couple you know two places in the show really draw me and I don't know. I got this thing going on with pandemonium. It, it seems like I give it something. It gives me something and back and forth. I, I don't know what it is. And, you know, just like that day I was up there and, I'm, and I stumbled upon some some deer bones some d- and and I found the jaw bones. So I'm like, well, the skull's got to be around here somewhere. And, and I think that was a patron episode. So the regular listeners didn't really, unless, unless they were patrons, they didn't get that episode. But I'm wandering around and I'm trying to find the skull. And and then I'm finally, you know, it's to the point where me and Tim just talk to the woods. I mean, people probably think we're crazy, but at this point, we, we just do it. <laughs> and and I'm just like, okay, I know the skull's here. Um, I I'd like to, you know, could we, could I please have the skull if it's around, if you're willing to, you know, you know, give it up or whatever. And that wasn't the exact wording. I forget what the exact wording was, but. I turned around and there was a tree that had fallen and it was dead for a long time and the root was sticking straight up and I had just walked past it and saw and looked at it and then when I turned around there was a skull impaled on the root through the eye socket through the bottom through the eye socket like here you go I'm like oh okay and of course I took it because I needed to take it and then I I uh, left you know left something there which I always do. So I swap stuff between Michelle and Pandemonium. Pandemonium seems to like uh, slag for some reason. Every piece of slag I put up there disappears. Where does it go? I don't know. Hmm. (laughs) But it seems to like the slag. So I've been giving it. Well, here I am calling it like I know what it is. But I don't know what it is. I've been giving the other slag from different places, and it seems to – like it and respond to it I was given a a feather from up there like place there just you know like oh here you go and then uh, that ended up in a a place that that I frequent in show called Dark Hollow which I can tell you tons of stories about that place and that was pretty intense and I took stuff from Dark Hollow up there so it's going back and forth (laughs) so
0: it's always good to give something back. Yes,
2: time. yes.
0: It's it's just polite, really. Yes. And yeah. I learned to do that when I was a really little kid. Um, and then here in Athens, me and my friend, who was incidentally the same friend from the stay within whistle distance, take the dog. <laughs> We've had a lot of weird experiences together we lived in a house um, on one of the county roads here, which mom later discovered is where they found uh, the bones of giants that they just oh. put back under the road and reburied. Oh, and wow. we're like, we're not messing with that. Um, and these were, these was a very weird and active place, but I would go in the woods all the time and I would just wander like aimless and I would like shift some kind of focus in my brain So I was just listening to the woods. And invariably, and I wouldn't walk in a straight line. I would literally just wander. Invariably, I would stop and there would be a turtle shell or an owl feather. And I would always, I smoked at the time, so I would always take out and crumble tobacco and like leave pocket change or this cool shell that I'd found at the ocean. Whatever I had.
2: That's exactly what I do. It seemed
0: like the right... Thing to give back i would give back and i've never found so many things in the woods in my life as we found in those woods and it those was constant were
1: very giving they, they were, were
0: extremely giving
1: they were they were reasonably friendly but still there were times they, when not on
0: not there. on al Hallow's eve they were not friendly the the hills were breathing
1: yeah, that's, that's different.
0: Like, I looked out my window and the hills were moving and I was like, I'm going to town right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, see, I just want to walked towards the hills. <laughs> I have the habit of just like, oh, there's something weird going on. Okay, I'm going to go towards it.
0: We so, we had had enough strange things happen at that house that I was like, you know, I really don't feel like going away with I felt like I would end up going away with the fairies if I did anything but get in my nice steel box of a car <laughs> and go to where other people were.
2: Well, I my problem is some people have called have told me I'm I'm reckless. So, I don't know, but my problem is is like I I want to see it and it's just like, I'm going to go, you know, like when we were at pandemonium, I was chasing that white thing. If Tim wouldn't have called me back, I would have kept going. If, if him and my son wouldn't have called me back, I would have kept going because I'm less like, I, I don't know. I, I guess my curiosity overrides my uh, preservation instinct or sometimes I think the stuff, it lures you. yes, yes. And it it's just you. like, I I've never been, there's only been a handful of times where I've been really like scared. And then a lot of the times it's more of a feeling like, okay, it's time for you to leave. It's more, it's more that versus fear. If, if that makes any sense. That you know? makes
0: perfect sense. That's yeah. how it felt when the hills were moving and breathing. And I was like, this is not a place for people mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. It can wait until my friend's off work and I absolutely have to go home.
1: <laughs> and then at least I won't be by myself. Y'all could have spent the night at our place, but you know. It,
0: it was fine place- when
1: we got back. I know. I know it was. I remember or we would
0: have come right we would have come right back. Well yeah, because I came tear assing into the house like with eyes as big as saucers, <laughs> <Yeah>. going,
1: Mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh my.
1: Yeah. You know, I I'm I'm not I don't think I'm quite as bad as you are Chad, but I you're pretty bad. I'm pretty bad. Yeah. I um the the night that uh we heard howling and growling and tree shaking and footsteps running all through our woods, it was about thirty feet from the house. Um, and it was loud. We could hear it inside the house with all the windows shut. And it's terrified both of our Huskies who were afraid of nothing. Well, one was afraid of absolutely nothing. And the other one was afraid of people, but nothing animal. She was not afraid of any animals. Um, she was terrified. That was actually what stopped me. Um, I, I had to go out and get her to bring her into the house because I just didn't want to leave the dogs outside with whatever that nonsense that was happening out there right. was. And uh, my husband would not step off of the porch. Zach was like having none of that. And he had he had 911 on speed dial. He was ready with his thumb. You know, I'm like, like the, you know, we lived out in the country. I was like, like, they'll get here. You know, but if it makes you feel better, go ahead. I had a flashlight, of course it died. So I'm I'm standing there and I'm watching these trees shake as something is like shaking them and running back and forth. And it was in a one two rhythm. It wasn't in a one, two, three rhythm like a canter or a one, two, three, four like a four legged walk or a four legged gallop. Right. It was a one, two, one, two. So if it was four legged, it was trotting, but it had, it was heavy. So oh, it wow. was big. And the sounds it was making was, it was just horrible. I was like, oh. this is not a coyote. Cause we had those and I knew what those sounded like. This is not a wolf. Um, I don't know what it is. I, it was horrible. And I went out there and I'm standing, you know, at this point now I'm like 15 feet from it and I'm looking and I'm trying to see the, the light dies and I felt myself moving forward and the dog whined and I looked back and she just looked at me and was just, just had this look in her eyes like, why don't go? You know, don't go, mom, don't go. And she wouldn't look up and look towards the woods. There was nothing out there that she feared except whatever that was. So I was like, okay.
2: You
1: know, my my dog had more sense than I did. So <laughs> yes, yes. I, I
2: most animals I, do.
1: I I, you know, let her off the chain. And usually if you let her off and let go, she would take off into the woods and go running around and you know try to catch a deer or whatever and she didn't she went straight for the door which she never wanted to go in the house she was very much an outside dog and she went straight to the door and then looked at me turned around and looked at me to make sure i was following and zach was like you were thinking of going into those woods weren't you and i was like "Mm, yeah and he was like so i told the story to my you know uh wilderness guy friend and he was like i'd have kicked your ass <laughs> he was like <laughs> you don't do that what kind of no so yeah if ever we're on a, a field trip together you and i are not allowed to go you know we have to have another person or two with us to right. keep us from doing something stupid
2: <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, yeah like i said i i don't know i don't know if it's like a common sense or if i'm you know Or if I'm just, I'm drawn to it. Yeah, I'm curious a lot of it. I mean, I mean. I
1: was so close I could almost see it. That was was killing me. It was so close I could almost see it, but I couldn't see it.
2: That's exactly what was happening at Pandemonium. I could see it. And I'm like, I'm just there. I'm almost there. I almost got it. You know, I'm I'm all but there. And then Tim's like, Chad, Chad, you know, you need to come back. You know. Yeah. And he was right. He was right. And I would have kept going. I just would have kept going. I was, I was hunting. I was. On I it.
3: completely
0: understand both of you and your curiosity, but uh, my opinion is cowardice is nothing to be ashamed of, and is a survival strategy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I, I do. Think so you're I'm right.
0: gonna. I'm gonna. I, I'm. I've seen a lot of weird stuff. Very few weird things truly frighten me. But if I get the it's time to go feeling, I'm going to listen to the it's time to go feeling and politely be like, oh, thank you, Woods. It was so nice to see you, but I think it's time for me to go home now, and I'm going to go
3: home.
2: Yeah, my problem is I'll get the it's time to go, and then and then I just have to push it just a little bit further. And, and I understand it, that. And that's usually when it becomes a others.
1: problem.
0: I admire that in others. I'm just not going to do that.
1: <laughs> you don't admire it too much in me, but I'm your that's mom. That's because you're, you're my, like my mother. No. <laughs> you're not allowed to
2: go well that's like when we were at gazoo's woods and then i asked whatever's there i asked what you know when i was like hey i left you something cool you know i'd like something in return i tim i could feel tim cringing behind me and i did i did not think about it when i asked it i did not ask it in the proper way and he was like "Ah." and then that and then we had that vocal response which sounded like nothing I've ever heard before. It was so insane. That I'm like
1: a weird sound.
2: Oh my God. It it sounded almost like an eagle and something else combined. It was crazy. And when you listen to it on the podcast, it's almost like three noises at one time, like a, a crack, a bang, and some weird, strange cry. And then I went to you know, and then we didn't leave right away. And I still you know, took two more steps forward because I could see the eyes up ahead and I'm and I'm pushing. And then Tim said um, – I think he asked then, you know, go ahead, throw something, but just don't hit us. And then yeah. he had an instant response. And then I think he – I forget what he asked. And I said, oh, it's time for us to go. I said, you you know, it's like – I forget what he asked, honestly. Because after yeah, a while, all, the, all, all this stuff kind of flows, in, flows into one for us after a while. And – what did he ask anyways wherever he asked i was like oh you shouldn't have asked that because it was like it was like you know it was it was like okay now you're done and the whole time whatever was there was and i told tim that i said it's like it was trying to figure out what to do with us like it didn't expect us to be there you know because we were there at the top of the hill and all of a sudden we're there in the middle of the hill and we're like in the middle of its woods and it's like where'd you come from now again? And it's like, I thought I got rid of you and it was considering us, which was really, that was an odd feeling. That was the first time I ever had where I was being considered. So, you know, was it weighing whether I was worthy or not or, or what, but it was very odd. (laughs) Yeah. And that,
1: that incident, the woods were so shallow and that patch of woods is so small. The way you were describing it,
2: it's the, not very big. The,
1: the, what clearly something is invisible. That's 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 what it says to me. That there it is was right there beside me. You can't see it. And it's it's right there. Mm-hmm. And it, it just to me that that says that either, you know, they're part of this realm, but in mostly invisible or most of the time invisible, or they're part of a realm that's just right next to ours, and they can sort of move fluidly back and forth across a a very thin barrier or something. Yeah, But yeah, that's weird.
2: It was really weird. And we weren't expecting anything to happen there. Honestly, we were not expecting to get that. And it just seems like wherever we go now, not all the time, but most of the time, something happens. It's like, if it's there, it's going to find us, you know, or it's going to say, you know, hello, (laughs) that's how I I prefer it. You know, it's like, hello, you guys pay attention and, you know, let's play. And and that's almost what what happens to us. And, you know, we were there during the day and he had been there obviously more than me and I was there twice that he had taken me there. And we were there during the day and, you know, you had the odd stuffed animal offerings up at the cemetery and all that. And we were just curious to see if they were still there. And like I said, them woods are very, very open. There's almost no, no underbrush. They, they keep them cleared out. You know, it's, it's a park and it was in, and it's not super big. And it was just insane, you know, what was going on. And it was almost like site seven, but with noises instead of lights. Them. You know, it, it was just yeah. the, 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 the it was such an onrush of noises. It was so crazy, and the one time I'm standing there and I could hear this thing like literally beside me, and I'm like, "There's nothing there." There's not. I had two flashlights on. Nothing there. You know, I, I could see into the woods forty yards, and this thing is like right there. You know, all but probably out where I can touch it. And at one time, it felt. I asked him if he touched me because I felt like I was touched. And I'm like, "Did you touch me?" He's like, "No." And I'm like. Oh, my God. So I don't know what what that was, you know. And it was – I don't want to say it was unnerving, but it was just very, very intense. That's the best way to describe it. Yeah. And we never knew, well, that was going to happen, and it just happened, you know. And whether it's going to happen again, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we plan on going back. We're going to wait a little bit, and uh, I'm anxious to see what happens, you know. So but we never go out, and this is one thing that I feel that is kind of unique to what we do. We never go out with the intention of finding anything. And we never go out trying to stir things up. Like I told him the other day, I'm like, we don't go out, and we're not, you know, once in a while we might bang on a tree and you know, and we might talk to the woods, but we don't go out and we're not like hollering, you know, trying to, you know, like some of these flesh and blooders do and you know you're banging on the woods you're you know they're hollering or screaming trying to get a response and I feel it's better just to I told him the other day I said, what I like about it is when we go out, we just let it happen because if it's gonna yeah. happen it's gonna happen, you know and it's gonna yeah. find us, you know, and it it seems to find us, you know, even when I'm out by myself or he's out by himself, you know because we wondered for a while whether it was both of us. Together, you know, and it isn't. <laughs> it is, right but it's it's really crazy. I mean, that's like there's a dark hollow. it's very very responsive to me. I have this this spot for some reason. We have an understanding. That's the that's how I describe it as an understanding. I took my friend Tom camping there, and it's very beautiful. It has some of the, the largest tulip poplar I've ever seen. There's these giant white pines and uh, eastern hemlocks in there that never got logged out because they were so far back in this hollow that they couldn't get to them. And it's very, very beautiful and and surreal when you drop in there. Like I I think when I it, it's off the Appalachian Trail and there's two ways again. You take an old forest road. And then you follow the trail back through the hollow to the to the back of it Or the other way is you come off the AT and then you switch back into the mountain and you end up in the back of the hollow So you're like in the very back literally like a little pocket Canyon as they would call it if you're out west and It's the beginning of a stream there and all these all these uh, Springs come together and then they they flow out through where these trees are and I described it. Uh, what's that? As a, uh, it's a section of woods, Athelion from from J.R.R. R. Tolkien's description of Athelion yes, from Lord of the Rings. And I, it just reminded me of that. I was like, oh, Athelion you know, you drop in, and it, it's totally different. You know, from the top of the mountain, you drop in there, the woods are completely different. It it has its own feel. And we were camping in there and I've been in there so many times. It's one of my regular spots. Like I know I can tell time by the birds, which is crazy. Like there's a, there's a a barred owl that hangs out there all the time. He hoots at a certain time, the woodpeckers peck at a certain time. Um, Right. In certain seasons, you know, we have the whippoorwills that fly from one side of the valley to the other, and they drive you crazy sometimes because they're just nonstop. And, um, and yeah, I can pretty much I know that area really well. That's the best way to describe it. And, and you know, the trees are big. There's there's a tree I call the kissing tree. It literally looks like two trees that came up and they're joined. They look like lovers ki- embracing and kissing. And like I said, the giant tulip poplar, which is one of my favorite trees, and the, the white pine and eastern hemlock and so we were camping there one time and I uh, was noticing as the sun was going down, like, oh, yeah, you know, the sun goes down there quicker, obviously, because it's dark hollow. (laughs) And, you know, it gets dark air in there fast. And where my camp is, where I camp normally, you can see the switchback trail. You can see if somebody comes down the mountain. And I saw a shadow of something, you know, come off the mountain. And I'm like, ah, geez. And I didn't want to alarm him. Because he's had some crazy things happen to him also in the woods. Like I think he was out one time hiking on the AT when he was younger. And he got attacked by a pack of wild dogs. Ooh. Yeah. And he had to hold them off with a walking stick and a machete. Until they oh. decided to chase the deer instead of him. Him and his other friends were out one time. And they somehow, I forget where they were. And he ended up with a group of soldiers that were training. Surrounded him. So he's, he's had some wild experiences. Yeah, that too. doesn't
1: sound like fun.
2: No, so I didn't want to alarm him, and he, you know, he knows my penchant for the, for the strange. And I'm like, and he goes, "What?" He goes, "You saw something, didn't you?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "What are you going to do?" So I'm going to go out and check it out. It might be a coyote or something, because I've had coyotes come up on me in there. I've had deer like right across the creek beside me. I've had a lot of wildlife encounters in there also, which is awesome. I got up and I looked, I'm like, oh, nothing there." And uh, of course, I had checked the uh, there's an offering site in the back of the hollow, and I checked that and you know did what I needed to do there and uh, he's like, "Did you see something?" I'm like, "Yeah, I said, but you know let's just keep it cool." But earlier that day, and I'm going to tell you this because this is part of the story of that same weekend, there was a stream the stream was flowing. You know, we were getting water out of the stream, and I was filling my uh, my filter bag up. And I'm like, boy, it'd be nice if there was like a spout, you know, that I could get this underneath better, you know, so I could fill the canteen or whatever. He's like, yeah, it's flowing pretty good, but we just kind of could use a spout. So we we made dinner, we started our fire, we had the lanterns going and stuff like that, and then finally we we turned in relatively early. We both turned in about you know. I guess we're old men we turn at nine, ten o'clock and I and I went to bed in my tent and he was in his tent and then I heard something sound like you know he got up and walked between our tents and I'm like oh he's just going to the bathroom because I always relieve myself in the same spot there okay it's like that's the spot I'm allowed to do I, I have certain rules I follow in there which you totally understand and I'm like oh you know, Tom's just going to the bathroom. So then um next morning I got up and I said, I'll just sleep. He goes, Oh, I slept really I slept like a rock. And he snores, so I knew he was sleeping like a rock. And I said, Oh, you woke up to go to the bathroom though, right when we turned in. He goes, No, because I didn't wake up to go to the bathroom. I said, Well, I heard somebody walk through the camp. It was definitely two-legged, it wasn't four-legged. He goes, Well, I thought that was you. I said, Well, <laughs> And I said, Well, I thought that was you. And he goes, Wasn't me. And I said mm. ah. and I said, Oh, okay. <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> It was this place, wasn't it? And I said, Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so then I went to go get water, you know, to refill the water to fill the bag up to we always, even though the water I know is pretty clean in there, we still filter it just for safety's sake. I went to fill up my filter and I said, I said, and there was this log placed a hollow log placed in the middle of the stream and it made a perfect little spout for us to get the water underneath and I said to Tom I said oh did you put this in this is awesome great idea and he goes well I didn't do that he goes did you do that I said no I didn't do that he goes (laughs) oh yeah he looks at me and he goes It was a hollow, wasn't it? I said, yeah, it was a hollow. And I said real loud, I said, thank you. I said, I'll leave a little bit of food before I leave when I leave. So, yeah, all this happened in uh, the same camping trip, so which was yeah. uh, crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, that place and me, we got a bond. And, you know, I visit it frequently and I make sure – When I'm there, you know, it it seems to react to me and I react to it. It's always been positive except for one time when I first took the pandemonium uh, feather in there to the offering site. Um, It was getting dark and I had a boulder come flying off the uh, mountain at me. And I'm like, oh, geez. I'm like, I think it's time for me to go. And the wind had picked up. And so I started walking out and I was paced out the whole way by something. You know, it was pacing me out of the hollow. And then when I got out of the hollow, and I started working up the forest road, there were lights down, because the forest road is still kind of a little higher, and there was a, a patch of woods that were all pine, and down in there you could see lights moving around. I'm like, don't look at the lights, don't go down towards the lights, just walk, because I still had two miles to get back to my car. And I'm like, just keep walking, get back to the truck, don't don't screw around, you're out here by yourself. You know, I had Tim's voice in the back of my head, you know, when you <laughs> don't follow the lights. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where my common sense, you know, kicked in that time. You know, I really did want to go down and see the lights. So. <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah, well, if you
0: didn't. <sighs> yeah, because if know, now you have boulders to to thrown it. at you. It's well, that, yeah, was, in, that was
2: in the hollow. This was outside of the hollow oh, in the Forest okay. bird. I had already left the hollow and you know, this boulder came crashing down and I'm like, Oh, and then as I'm walking out, I'm hearing stuff break on the mountain because it's a very narrow valley. It's very, as you leave the hollow, it's very narrow. The trail like snakes up on the side of one side, crosses the Creek and then it snakes on the other side then crosses the Creek again. And then you come out to the forest road and uh, I'm on that, you know, it was not long after I put the uh, feather there and I'm like, here you go. You know, this is from pandemonium. I don't know if it wasn't happy about it or what, but that boulder came in and, and I'm like, okay, it's time for me to go. And it was getting dark. So I started moving out. And then that's when I started hearing crashing. And then i heard footsteps or whatever pacing me. And I'm just like, it's following me all the way out. Don't look back. Just keep going. And I yeah, made it.
1: A, that's a no.
2: <laughs> That's a no. And yeah. I just moved at a steady rate, you know, because I had to be careful. You know, it's not a, a super easy trail. And once I got out of the hollow, that stopped. The lights were, as I was going up the forest road, up the mountain towards the Forerunner, I could see down in down in the woods. You could see these lights. And I'm just like, don't don't go towards them. That's more trouble,
3: <laughs> you know? Yeah.
2: So, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, one of many experiences I've had in Dark Hollow. You know, so that place definitely has um, something going on. I mean, my son's been there. We've we've been there during the day. I took a friend of mine back in there for a hike, and he saw something gray in the back, because if you go further back enough, it's where the creek, all the springs come together. You can't penetrate anymore because it's so full of rhododendron and mountain laurel. It you would have to hack a trail back through. Yeah. And he there were these. A flock of birds. They were blackbirds of some sort. They weren't crows. I think they were grackles. And they were flying from one section of the hollow to the other side of the hollow. And they were trying to land back in the hollow to avoid us. They were scared of us. But whatever was back in there was scaring them out. And they were flying. They were having a fit because they couldn't figure out where to land. And We heard rock clacking back there, and it was loud. And my my son's and I told my son, I said, stay at the campsite. You just stay here. I got to go back and check the site. And then my friend Dan was like, there's something gray back in there. And then he saw a flash. He's like, there's a person back in there. I said, there are no people down back there, Dan. But whatever was there, I couldn't see it. I could hear it moving. And the birds were trying to land because they didn't want to be near me but they wouldn't want to be near whatever that was so that was pretty interesting so yeah that was a yeah. quite a quite a day and I'm like okay it's time for us to go you know we need to just go and just let whatever wants to be here have its have its time yeah and, uh, and then we left but most of the time it's never mean or anything like that it's it's pretty pretty me and it or whatever, get along pretty well. So
1: yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, feel bad for the grackles. You feel, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do too. Poor
0: <laughs> things.
2: I don't think like they live. Go ahead.
1: There's there's people over here, there's whatever that is, and people and whatever that is, and ah. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, they were stuck in the middle. You could tell they were definitely they do not they aren't normal residents of the hollows. So I don't think they were, you know, they were they were like, "Oh, we shouldn't be here" or whatever. But yeah, you know, I always find woodpecker feathers in there too. Like it just seems like that place likes to give me woodpecker feathers. Like like you said earlier, Morgana, you're walking along and you just like, "Oh, look down. Something tells you to look down. Oh, there's a woodpecker feather." Yep. So I collect woodpecker feathers. You know, I seem to get, get them a lot from that place. So I take whatever I'm given and then I usually yeah. leave something in return, you know, whether it's a piece of food or I, I add some water or whatever. I always share my food with it. So, but, yeah, I I try not to keep my food in camp, though, because there's, Yeah. have you ever heard of Allegheny Mound Ants?
3: Mm-mm.
2: So there's a species mm-hmm. of ant called Allegheny Mound Ants and they live in Michelle. And probably in all the, the Allegheny Mountains in Pennsylvania, too. And you literally, these ants are probably, I would say, almost a half inch long. They're black oh, no. ants. And they make mounds, like termite mounds. Now, not like the giant termite mounds you think of in Africa. These mounds are probably, I don't know, they probably be two feet tall at the most. And they can be huge, you know, like 10 feet across. And they, what they do, they're harmless. But at night, they, they spread out across the forest floor looking for food. And the first time I camped in there, I, I, uh, in Dark Hollow, I was camping under a tarp, which some people think is crazy too, because you're not, you don't have four walls. But so I'm sleeping under the tarp, and all night I'm like, you know, pushing these uh, ants off my nose as I do the actual motions, so you guys could see it. And they were crawling all over me in the middle of the night. Well, I got up, yeah. I got up mm-hmm. to relieve myself, and relieved myself. Then I went back. Went back to sleep. Woke up again. Went to relieve myself. Well, my headlamp flashed, where I had relieved myself, and there was like thousands of these ants crawling all over. I guess the smell had drawn them. And I and I I kind of flashed the flashlight around, and there was like all these ants crawling across the forest floor, (laughs) looking Mm. looking for food. I ended up taking Mm -hmm. some home. They found their way into my pack, so which was which was crazy. But I learned. There's a a campsite that a lot of people use there all the time, and the ants know that people always stop there, and that's where I had chosen to camp the first time I ever camped in Dark Hollow. And they immediately, as soon as I set up camp, they were in my pack looking for food, investigating things. I always hang my food usually 20 yards or more away from my camp. It's just a good thing to do.
1: Well, yeah, bears.
2: Not even so much bears. Raccoons. Raccoons. Um, uh, varmin yeah. of any sort. Um, yeah. We. My friend Tom has had a guy who didn't listen, and he woke up with a raccoon on his chest in the middle of the night. So.
1: I mean, cute as they are, still, you don't want that.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, and then we I mean, don't. Yeah. You know, yeah. Certain mem- certain guys that I know don't like raccoons either,
1: so
2: for <laughs> obvious reasons. So, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, but I learned that I moved my camp away from there and I may established another place to camp and I don't have the problems with the ants like I had before. So it's like, they know, it's funny how, you know, they have this intelligence, they know they hang out there because people always are hanging there and put garbage or whatever in the, in the fire pits or whatever. And that's something I always do too, is either burn whatever people leave there or I take it out with me. Right. Right. um, Yeah. So.
0: We we have a habit. My boyfriend and I like to go hiking. Not like hard hiking, like you do, like city people hiking. <laughs> <laughs> well, not him. He's done the AT before. Oh, cool. Um, cool. I am. I am less. Woods, mini than he is, but we always pack out other people's trash, like exactly. on the hiking trails, because, and people are so messy about it, and it always hurts my soul a little bit.
2: Yeah, like,
0: because it's not hard to carry stuff out. Like I've started, we've started just bringing a spare bag to just fill up, like as we go through some of the state parks here in Athens.
2: Yeah, we do that a lot too. You know, we and then. We, I try and practice what's called leave no trace. So I try not to leave as much um, garbage or anything. Like I try and use established fire pits that already are Mm -hmm. there. And um, at most I'll leave ashes, you know, and I really make sure they're all doused out completely. And I always, I don't leave pieces of paracord around or any cordage or anything like that. I take all my garbage with me. Or, or burn it, you know if it's burnable You know I do do the best I can not to leave any trace That I was there yeah. so and and that's just something I, I practice and So a lot of the guys like if you go on Instagram and you look up bushcraft and you know and I, I can go on about the term bushcraft you know, some people call it woods craft, some people call it woods lore, some people call it bushcraft. You know, there's a whole even argument over whether it should be called bushcraft. But anyways, that's the modern term for it now. You'll see these guys and they literally make like these forts in the woods, you know, these these shelters, you know, that look so permanent. And they're like, oh, that's so cool. And, and that's awesome. I think that's cool if you can do that, if you have a section of woods that you can do that in. And, and that's like an established camp because really that's what that is. Yeah. yeah, I'm not I carry a saw and an axe and of course a knife with me. And yes I use my tools, but most of that's to gather the materials I need for fire making or you know, cooking or, or something of that nature. I try not to to disturb the woods that much, if that makes any sense. Like I don't cut yeah. living trees. I don't do that. Um, I Use if I need to make a tripod or something of that nature, I always try and use dead standing and I always cut I'll cut dead standing wood or wood that's already down. I, you know, if I need to make something like a chair or something like that, because I've done that, you know, I always try and use dead stuff versus uh, living stuff because that's just more right. And, a lot you know, a lot of the state forests here in Pennsylvania, you're not supposed to do that anyways. And Yeah it's a running joke. These guys will set up these shelters and they'll be like, Oh yeah, I set up this awesome shelter. And it's like, okay, obviously it's private land. You're not doing and If you are doing one that on public land, that's sad. And it's like, did you leave enough trees there for, for your firewood? You know? yeah. <laughs> you cut down three quarters of the forest to have a small little thing that, you know, that fits just him. And you'll see that a lot. And then I think there was actually a magazine article about somebody was going canoeing and they found where these group of bushcrafters had gone out and they destroyed, you know, a section of woods. And they're like, oh, it's a horrible thing. And it's like, to me, a true woodsman is somebody who can go through, gather what he needs, but not disturb the land that much, if that makes any sense. Don't leave any footprints, you know. Try, you know, well, you're going to leave footprints, obviously. Unless you know, you're only leaving one <laughs> footprint, or where the <laughs> footprint ends.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, one and, left footprint,
2: or Just one right, or whatever. You know, <laughs> but uh, to me, a true woodsman, you know, passes through his his uh, landscape. And here's the thing, you know, I'm I'm more of like you said earlier about your friend who lives on the the West Coast. His woods are different than mine. If you were to drop me in his woods, there are some plants and trees and all that that are in common, but I would be, I would, and there are some things that cross over, but I don't know as much about that landscape as he does me. So my skills would have some use, but I would still have to learn some new things to, to prosper in that landscape. And, you know, so, uh, to me, a true woodsman goes through, gathers what he needs, but only takes what he needs, leaves some for others, and doesn't disturb the woods that much. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I think that's one reason why sometimes the woods are a little more responsive to me versus other people. I was going to yeah.
0: say that. was I was going to say, I think that's why the woods talks to you more.
2: Mm-hmm. Because you yeah. know,
0: approach it as an... You approach, you approach it with utmost care and respect. I do. Yes. I Which do. is something that people don't really do as much anymore.
2: And Yeah, I think you're right. And I think a lot of people have lost touch with their landscape. If, if that makes any sense. I yeah. mean, you still have farmers who are still, people who are connected to the landscape and all that. And I I wish people would get out and would – and that's one thing why originally before I met Tim, like I started the uh, YouTube channel and, you know, started posting on Instagram the hikes and all that. Because I'm actually just trying to inspire people to get out and see what's out there because I don't think they – you know, and not only just like the cool things like the general, which I described earlier, but just to see the woods around, you know. Yeah. I always tell people there's a little bit of wildness around you. You just don't realize it. You know, you could, if you're driving along the road and you see that bank over that bank of where that guardrail is, and there's all these trees, that's a little bit of wildness that's there. And it, you'd be surprised what you'd find in small little woods like that. You yeah. know, and we I don't, have a
0: family of foxes here. In, yeah. Right. Right. In my apartment complex. There's a family of a male red fox and a female red fox and their three kids. And if you go out at the right time at night, you will see the baby foxes. That's <laughs> and it's awesome. It's really cool.
2: See, that that is awesome. And to me, that's magical. That's what, And here's the thing. To me, a lot of people, you'll say about re-enchanting the earth and all that stuff. The earth's already enchanted. You've just got to take the time to pay attention to it. And look at it, you know. So, I mean,
1: I think people are what needs to be re enchanted. I think it's people. The earth itself, as you say, is already there. It's enchanted, mm-hmm. it has all the enchantment it needs. We're the ones who've forgotten.
2: You're, I think you're right. I think you're right. And it, it doesn't take much. It just, you know, you just got to pay attention, look around. I mean, like, with the, the training I had or, you know, the skills I have, you know, some of it was taught to me by others, some of it self-taught. I don't look at the forest like most people do anymore. You know, when I go into the woods and I look around, I, I, I'm always looking for, like, shelter, materials I can use to make fire you know, to, you know, I, when I, to me, and, and this is part of why I say the woods is more, I'm more comfortable in the forest. Than I am in the town because the forest will give me food. It will give me shelter. It will give me comfort. It will give me warmth. It will give me medicine. You know, if you know how to, to get if those you know things. To look. It, oh, yes. You know, and I can't turn it off. I mean, it's constant. I mean, I, I walk around and I'm like, I'm driving along and I'm looking at, Oh, there's that tree. I can use that for this. And, you know, and and it's not just foraging for food. It's like, oh, you know, that looks like a good place to camp. It it it. I can't turn turn it off. Uh, you know, we were driving. We were me and Tim were uh, checking out a cemetery, and I'm driving along, and I see this tree, and I see this gigantic horn. You know, hornet's nest. One of the paper hornet's nests. I'm like, oh wow, cool. That's tender. And I'm and I stop. And I get out, and Tim's like, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, he's like thinking, oh, what's he see? You know, is he seeing something paranormal? What's going on here? And I said, no, no, man, it's just it's just a hornet's nest. It's it's just, you know, it's just a, you know, a paper wasp nest. You know, that's a big chunk of tinder right there. And I'm trying to figure out how to get this. And I got back in the car, and he goes, ABW. I said, ABW, what's that? He goes, always be woodsman zing. He's like, Chad, always be woodsman zing. So... Yeah, he calls That's that. It. An
0: awesome way to be.
2: So if you yeah. ever hear a, if you ever hear him say ABW, that means all you know, Chad is always ABW. That's always be woodsman singing. So I recently said, well, you're ABW too, and he's like, what? I said, always be wizarding, man. Always be <laughs> wizarding. Yep. So. Yep. But. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it's you pay attention to the forest, you pay attention to the trees, you pay attention to the the animals. And, you know, they'll tell you things. They you know? will. And and not just yeah. paranormal stuff. Just, you know, they'll tell you things.
1: It's going to rain.
2: Yeah. It's going to rain. It's going to yeah.
1: be a bad winter, you know. When the squirrels are going crazy jumping in front of your car to grab a black walnut off the road, you know, like, manically in October, it's going to be a bad winter
3: mm-hmm. when
1: they're all doing it. They're chasing each other and stealing each other's black walnuts.
2: Yep. That's...
1: Because yep. I will not forget that was the winter that, that the kid didn't go to school for, like, a whole month. That's right.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that was a bad winter. Yes. Yeah, that was Especially bad for,
1: for here. You know, we don't generally get that much snow, but it, that was a whole month of snow, pretty much.
2: Yeah. And, was, that, um, was that, like...
1: Nineties? Five years ago. Yeah, nah, five years we, it was only five or six years ago.
2: Okay. Yeah, we seem. In the to the nineteen
1: nineties we had that blizzard
2: that came yeah, through. The early nineties. Yeah. And now I'm showing my age. But yeah. um <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, we, we seem to get big snows every like ten years or five years or something like that yeah. around here. So and, and but yeah, if you pay attention, you'd be surprised. Like I followed squirrels. Like if you hear a bunch of them in the woods carrying on, I'm like, oh, okay. It might be, you know, especially this time of year. Well, a little earlier there, the, I can find a mulberry tree because they're all like, oh, the mulberries are in and, you know, and they're all over it and I follow it. And usually you hear the birds or the, or the squirrels. I've done that too. I followed animals to food sources already or water sources or anything like that. And you know, they've led me to some pretty cool places too. Like sometimes I don't think the animal is actually leading me to a food source or whatever, but it leads me to a, a place that's enchanted, you know, that's for the other, you know, or I, I've been warned also. Yeah. So yeah, we,
0: I've had crows do that. Mm-hmm. Just be like, nah, you don't want to go this way. Yep. And I'll have them alarm call and then I'll be like, okay, no. 'Cause I listen to the crows. Um, I made friends with them and mom made friends with them when I was a kid. And I've got a couple crows that look to me for food and they last year they actually had me babysit their crow baby.
2: <laughs> That's cool.
0: For a little bit. I love cool. crow babies. That's cool. Um, but I'll listen if they if they come if they're in the trees and they're like not doing their oh, it's you noise. And instead they alarm call and like I look around and I don't see a hawk and they're not talking about the hawk. I'm like, OK, I'll go back inside now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Or yep. move the plants because the storm's coming or whatever yep. y'all something's are talking gonna,
2: about. Something's going to happen. Something's
0: going down.
2: Yeah, something's going down. Something's going down. I had um. we were at Harry Springs one time, me and my son. And this is the one time where I, I this is the one thing that happened that made me buy a recorder so I could record things, because I didn't have a recorder of my own, and we were up in Harry Springs, and that place is, is, uh, different during the day, but when it starts to get dark, it, it changes, and we were, I was using the, that, uh, Randonaut app, and I was, cha- I was going through a, a section of, uh, rocks, and we passed over a rock field, and we ended up Where the app led us, it led us to this point. It was a very interesting rock. It was like an arrow-shaped rock. And if you stood on the arrow-shaped rock, it pointed to the one mountain. This was in Michelle, of course. And it pointed to the one mountain where the noises usually come from. And the sun was going down behind that mountain. Which was crazy. And then we ended up finding, I think it was like a, this was when we were finding the spiral shells. And there was like a, a, a spiral snail shell on that rock. I am like, wow, this is cool. So this is what led me to this. So we backed out and we were heading out and it was starting to get dark. And my son said, you know, it's time for us to go. You know, he's like, you know, we need to go, Dad, it's getting dark. And I'm like, okay. Right. And we're walking out, and like I said, this it was this big rock, arrow shaped, and it was surrounded by like a like a rock field. And as we're leaving the rock field, we heard this god awful scream. I mean, it was like classic when you think a classic, you know, Class B scream, that's what we heard. And I had my phone. I was using the recording app on my phone. I'm like, "Oh my god!" And then he's like, "Dad," I said, "I got it. I got, I got it. I got the recording." And you know, we're still in there and we're dawdling around. And and you know, it, my son literally turned white. Like it scared him that badly. You know, it it you know, he's like, yeah. "What was that?" I'm like, "I don't know, bud. I don't know what that was." And we were we were we were still dawdling around, and then next thing you know, we hear this owl start hooting, and it was a barred owl, and this owl just starts hooting just like crazy, and I don't know, have you ever heard barred owls like sometimes they can sound like like uh baboons, they yeah. really yeah, they can really go go nuts, and this owl right. was just yeah hooting to beat the band and by the way the scream we heard was not the owl (laughs) it was something completely different because the owl was coming from a different direction and i'm like you know i'm like we need to go we need to get out of these rocks well we got out of this circle of rocks over the rock field We got back across the creek to the trail next thing you know we start hearing guns going off where we were at so there must have been somebody shooting or about to shoot in that area and i'm and I think the owl was telling us to get out of there
3: yeah. or
2: something was imitating an owl, however you want to, want to see yeah. it. But to me, it sounded like an owl and you know, it, that was very crazy. It was just one of the main things that has happened to me at Harry Springs and we're hiking out and I'm like, we just, we need to go before it gets too dark, you know, cause I was more concerned about him. And then we heard calls coming from the top of the, of the one mountain that they normally come from. And I'm like, Oh, I got this on recording, got back to the truck and I got in signal range. And I told Tim, and I said, I got it. I got, it, I got, it. I just got an awesome scream, man. I mean, it was so cool. And of course it didn't record at all. The recorder, no. the phone failed. So yeah. every, that's when I'm like, I'm buying a high quality audio recorder. <laughs> and we're going to use it when we go out into the woods.
1: Yeah. So, yeah i was waiting for the 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 phone didn't record because i knew yeah yeah
2: you knew (laughs) that that was was gonna happen happen. (laughs) yeah yeah exactly exactly in that place nothing and it it doesn't put you know doesn't doesn't surprise me one bit no but yeah, yeah i mean that that's another place that responds well i guess you could say you know to us Could be negative, can be positive. That place, you know, it's been positive to me a couple times, especially when it gave me my knife back, which was nice. But um,
1: it—that's a great story.
2: Oh yeah, you want to see the knife? Yeah. I I actually have it.
1: You should also sort of, you know, tell an abbreviated version of the story.
2: Oh yes, I should. Some
1: of our listeners haven't heard it.
2: If you can see it. Oh, make it there out.
1: It is. oh, that's pretty. That's gorgeous.
2: So, this is a, a Nesmuk pattern. That's the blade pattern. It's a blade shape. And then the handle is made of curly maple.
1: That's beautiful. And
2: that was made by my friend Tom. And then um, all the all the ruck rabbit members have this color, have the red and the brown sheath. So all that's our nice. all our knives have that sheath. But um, yeah, that's a, a pattern of uh, It has that distinctive hump on it and uh, that's called the Nesmuk pattern that's one of the uh, my inspirations One of the gentlemen who wrote a book You know his name was uh, George Washington Sears was his real name and he he wrote for a bunch of um, outdoors magazines in the late 1800s early into the 1900s and he actually roamed around Pennsylvania like Pine Grove area Pine Grove with um, the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon. They also call it right. Pine Creek area. And uh, his pen name was Nesmuck, And he's one of my inspirations, you know, of. Uh, for being a woodsman, you know, I wrote he I think he wrote a book was Woodcraft and Camping. And then the other guy who inspires me, his name was Horace Kephart. He's one of the uh, main he was alive in the late. Or early 1900s, he died in 1930 in a car accident, and he was one of the guys who um, was responsible for the Great Smoky Mountain National Park being made. So, but I can go on and on about those guys forever. But that's Nesmuk's pattern. That's the knife shape that he used. That's why they call that a Nesmuk knife. So,
1: nice.
2: but yeah. So, what happened was we were checking out Harry Springs for the first time during the day, and um, we were uh, hiking up this old forest road, which actually is an old haul road like the for the furnace. like It's part of, of the Big Pond Furnace Complex. I've done a lot of research into Michelle, and um, there are so many furnaces in there, it's unreal. I think I've found eight of them now. Uh, seven of them that I have found. No, actually, eight of them I have found, and there's probably, I think I have records of 10 of them. So wow. that that is a very intense area for iron furnace work. Um, Miau is the first Pennsylvania state forest. Um, the gentleman who created the Pennsylvania State Forest System it's also, I think, was also the site of the first forestry school in America. so and, and it's now part of the um, Penn State System, but originally it was the first forestry. Dedicated forestry school in America, and um, I think Roth was Rothrock. That's his name, John Rothrock. He came, he came, and he saw michelle and he literally called it a desert because there were that many trees cut down. They would have forest fires from as the the steam trains would come through, and he calls forest fires. He's like, we need to do something by the about this, and then the state bought the land and they planted trees. You know. A lot of the trees that are there were planted during the 1930s for the Civilian Conservation Corps, and um, but you can still see a lot of the remains of the old ironworks, you know, old iron furnace works. So Harry Springs is the old haul road where they used to dump the slag and all that. So you can find slag all along the all along that haul road. And It's probably about a mile from the uh, from big pond furnace but you can see if you if you pay attention if you know what you're looking for as you walk through the woods You can see how the water flows and all that, you know the earthworks. They did and all that but we were walking up the hall road and the creek the hall roads higher than the creek and The creek was flowing and we were hearing something down in the blueberry scrub and I Tim was up on the creek I was down in the blueberry scrub across the creek below the Hall road, and I'm chasing whatever was in the – and, of course, I'm chasing whatever's in the blueberry scrub. And we could hear it, but we couldn't see it. So it's probably like your theory that, you know, it's there, but you can't see it. Right. And I was finding old um, foundations and stuff. And I'm in this blueberry scrub and it's probably waist high and I'm chasing whatever it is. He's like, I think it's over here. And I would go over there and he's like, it's over here and I'm chasing this. So eventually it's just like, okay, we're not going to catch this thing, obviously. So we walk back up to the forest road and I had just gotten that knife from my friend Tom. It was a gift. And it was, this was two weeks after a, a bushcraft a gathering I go to called Alvine. And he's like, okay, he's like, let's go look at the furnace. I want to see the furnace. I'm like, okay. We drive down to the furnace, and we get out. We're walking around, and he goes, Chad, your sheath is empty. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? I said, oh, man, that sucks. You know, I, I really like that knife, you know. It was a gift. And, you know, so I'm thinking that as I'm walking through the blueberry scrub, the paracord caught on, on the blueberry scrub. On a
1: branch, yeah. Yeah,
2: on a branch. So we drive back and I go down in there and I'm walking and you know you saw it has bright red paracord on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking around and all through this is where I was and I can't find it, I can't find it. And I'm like, ah oh, man. I'm like, well, let's walk down. There's a trail that comes off the forest road, goes down, crosses the creek, and then goes up further up, up the mountain. So I'm like, well, let's go up the forest road. Maybe it's up the forest road, and we'll go down the trail. So we're walking up the forest road. And the forest road is basically a two track. You know, you have like the sand and gravel and slag where a car could drive and then it's grass in the middle. They keep it mowed. And I'm walking in the one sand track, he's walking in the other, and we're walking really slowly and we're looking down for this knife, you know, to make sure it didn't just fall out. I'm just thinking at this time it just fell out of my sheath. So we're walking. We get to the trail, we go down the trail. And the trail we see some cool slag some weird slag um, somebody had stacked the slag in a pattern it could have been a person but still it was odd walked up the trail and I said dude it's gone you know it's just gone so we're walking up we're going back to the forest road and we're going uphill and we hear knocking coming from the one mountain area but it always comes from and I'm just like and I'm like I said well I'm just gonna answer so I answered answered back I said, you know what? I'm going to try something. He said, what? I said, I'm just going to ask for my knife back. Just Something just told me just to ask for my knife back, a feeling I don't know. So I, said, I yelled real loud to the woods. I said, hey, I said, um, I said, I really would like to have my knife back, please. I used please this time, unlike at Kazoo's Woods. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, really would like to have my knife back, please. I said, it really means a lot to me. It's, you know, It was a gift. It's very special. get further up and on our way up to harry springs as we were driving up we had found these apples an apple truck had pulled out and dumped apples on the road so we grabbed all these apples and we were going to eat them you know there was nothing wrong with them and we get to the top of the where the trail meets the forest road and i just said you know what i'm just going to ask one more time i said what do you think he's like it can't hurt so i yell out i said please could i have My knife back, please said I'll leave you guys some apples. I'll leave some apples here He's like, "eh, it was worth a shot. So we turn the recorder off and we're walking back to the forerunner and We're you know, we're just walking along and Then I just happened to look down and about I don't know 15 feet in front of me is my knife laying in the middle of the two-track, you know on the bare ground Perpendicular to the way the road's going, with the paracord straight out, it was mm. completely in a line. And I had just walked up that earlier, looking slowly. There's no way I would have missed that. I go, I look at, and all of a sudden I go, "Oh my God!" And Tim goes, "What? What? What?" You know, right away he's thinking something's coming out of the woods, barreling at us. I said, "Dude, it's my knife." And he looks. He goes, "Oh man!" He goes, "You just been tapped." He's like, that was your tap on the shoulder,
3: <laughs> and yeah. of
2: course, of course, we had the recorder off. Yeah, yeah. So it didn't catch the moment. So we turned the recorder on and said, you know, hey, we just found this. But yeah, it was just laying there, you know, completely with that paracord pulled straight out, just as if I had laid it down there myself with the paracord out. And um, and of course, you're darn right. I left the apples. There's a long. Oh, yeah. There's a tree that's cut. It's probably about seven foot tall. And I put the apples up on top there and I said, yeah, the apples are there for you. And uh, it, it was just phenomenal. I mean, it was just like, wow. You know, that if I didn't believe then, I did now.
3: <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah.
2: I mean, you know, I don't know what's there. You know, you get people that say, well, what are you seeing? What is it? You know, and it's just, it's it's another. I don't know what it is. You know, and I'm not going to sit here and try and describe what it is, but. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But that was definitely a wow movement, a woo movement for me. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely you asked and you were answered. Uh, exactly. And yes. And you asked properly. <laughs> you asked nicely and you left it something in trade. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's, I love that story. I love yeah. that story. I was story. I was cooking dinner on that episode and and Zach had come into the kitchen and, and you know that you found your knife and I was like, oh my god. And he was like, What? <laughs> he found his knife. What? <laughs> <laughs> so I had to explain the whole thing, you know. Well stop. The, I'll... Go ahead. Stop the vocals and 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 it was like, okay, this is what happened. He was like, Oh, well something is in those woods
2: yeah it is yeah something yeah it it's the show is like a like i said it's a very special place and then um some places in there are more like i said before there's some places that have more sense of presence some places in that, that forest are more sense of presence than others and then you just have all the crazy names like dead woman's hollow you have Dark Hollow, you have Devil Alex Hollow, you have Haunted Hollow, Harry Springs, you know, and it's just like <laughs> it goes on and on and on. And it, so it's like you know, and it, it it's crazy. It's crazy. And then yeah. the, it's part of the South Mountain Range and a lot of stuff happens in the South Mountain Range. And that that, that little range of mountains goes all the way down into Maryland, I think almost to the Potomac River. And then it ends on at the northern tip of York County. And if you look at a, somebody had sent us a map and it showed like the magnetic anomalies. Now, I don't know if this is anything. I don't know. But if you look at that magnetic anomalies, it's all through Michaux, all up through the South Mountain Range, all the way across to Chickie's Rock, which is, you know, in Lancaster is where the Albatwitches are supposed to be. Right. Um, comes down through the pigeon hills you know it breaks up in the pigeon hills and there's sections through Myers hollow or hex hollow um all the way through that section of york county so it if whether that's something i don't know i don't know also white rocks is where is on that that northern tip of um the south mountain range too and then you have you know in the south mountains you get down into maryland you have like The legends of the Dwayo, you have the Snallygaster. I don't know if you ever heard of the Snallygaster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have that. The Catoctin Range is part of that. So, you know, you have all that. And then there's other legends up through there, too. I think I found on an old map from the 1800s because I'm a a map junkie. So I like looking at old maps, comparing them to new maps, you know, and of the Michaud region, there's a silver mine supposedly somewhere. Ah. So that's on my list to find that. You know, and there's been some horrible things have ha- that have happened in the show too. Oh you know, yeah, yeah. So you had the Babes in the Woods. You had um, Dead Woman's Hollow, which I guess I guess supposedly um, somebody was supposed to had died from a rattlesnake or something in there. That's why they call it. Uh, Where Devil Alex and Dark Hollow, Hana Hollow got their names, who only really knows? But and then you have the Appalachian Trail passes through there, so. You have a lot of people going through there, and to me that makes it a liminal place. You know? Yeah. Yeah, people passing through and you know they might stay, but you know, it's very liminal in there. And you have according to Tim, it's like the third largest area for Bigfoot in the country, which is crazy, mind blowing to me. Yeah. And yeah. it's nuts. It's nuts. You know.
1: It but it's to me the when i was growing up as a kid in west virginia there were no bears in the woods at my grandparents house there there were no black bears black bears nearly went extinct because they were hunted so oh, wow. viciously in the in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s in west virginia and they they ended the hunting cuz it's our state animal but there were no bear they're, they're, you you did not see them. It wasn't a thing. And, you know, Morgana got to spend a lot of time at that same area that that I grew up in. And she'd visit her grandparents. And, and, you know, I was walking through the woods with her. And she's like, oh, we have to be quiet. There are bears in these woods. I'm like, there aren't any bears in these woods. There haven't been bear here since, you know, the 1860s. I don't know. But it's been a long time. And she's like, no, really, there are bear." you know she was 9 years old and part of it was she was just excitable but you know i got home and my mom said oh no there are bear in the woods now they've come back and i was that's like phenomenal. really that fast and she's like yeah and and i've seen them you know we we were driving down the highway a few years later on my way back from my parents house and i saw you know bear cubs climbing up a tree off the interstate you know just that's cool just there So, you know, part of me is like, ah, Bigfoot in the eastern United States, it's impossible, but it's not. It's not. Especially if you don't believe that it's a flesh and blood animal. Right. Um, But, you know, if bear can come back to that degree that quickly, you know, I'm only 55, I'm not ancient. So, you know, that's, that's a reasonably short span of time for the bear to come back. Well... Who knows what else can come back?
2: I, I think you're right. And I've noticed growing up, you know, I, show from, from the Pigeon Hills where I grew up is probably about a 40 minute drive away. Okay. It's West Adams and Franklin County, but I still, you know, went there a lot as a kid and never saw any rattlesnakes. Never, you know. Never knew, you know Never knew there were timber rattlers there. I have seen more timber rattlers in the last two years as I wander those woods than I have ever seen in my life, which is great. You know, I think it's awesome. You, know, you just gotta be careful, but yeah, they're actually pretty docile compared to most rattlers. But um, yeah, it's phenomenal. And I and I never saw bears, you know, there. And they're bears, I. I've seen sign. I've never ran into bears there, but I know they're there. And it's just cool to see that, you know, to see this stuff coming back and I'm waiting for them to end up in the pigeon Hills. And it's only a matter of time before they do, you know, and, and, you know, they have them running down the middle of town in Hanover, which is like 10 minutes away. You know, then they always tranquilize the poor thing and drag it off, but it's only a matter of time where they can't get rid of them and they show up, you know, but I've noticed like animals I've never, uh, that when I was growing up, the coyotes were just showing up. Now they're everywhere. You know, there there's coyotes everywhere. Um, when I was a kid, we used to see pheasants and all that, but that's because people hunted and tra- hunted and trapped more. I never saw a fox. They were there, but I've never seen them. Now you see foxes. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's becoming more wilder I think that some of the animals are getting used to us and they're 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 adapting and and I think it's great you know that's that that's like the pigeon hills has a pair of ravens that always nest there at a certain spot and I, I think it's the only <laughs> it's the only spot in uh York county as far as I know that I was told by somebody who works for the game commission where there's actually ravens so oh. we we had a pair follow us. We were hiking in Michelle and we had a pair follow us. Like they were like they kept flying overhead and following us as me and my son were hiking one time. And that's um, amazing. And and it was pretty cool, you know, and, and it's it's cool to see this stuff coming back and repopulating. But, you know, I also think also we need we need to be a little more understanding towards it also, because everybody's like, Oh, we need to get rid of the bears. No.
3: No. I always on. look
2: at it this way. I saw an I don't know where I saw this, but I saw you know it was a picture of a road going through the woods and a deer crossing the road and and the saying was, The deer's not crossing the road, the road is crossing the forest, yeah, and that's how I look at it, yeah you know, yeah, that's how I look at it, and you know we're we're part of it. But we're all we like to
0: pretend we're not.
2: No, we like to pretend we're not, but we're but we are part of it. We are part of it. And you know, Nesma had a saying and it, this might not be word for word, but you'll get the idea across. You know, he basically said that mother nature doesn't deal in loaves of bread and matches. She will freeze you, she will starve you, she doesn't care. That's not the exact words, but the Stealing loaves and matches are exactly what he said, and it doesn't matter who you are when you're out there, you know. And that's one one impetus why I wanted to learn what I what I know because as I'm traveling more further, you know, I need to be able to take care of myself out there.
3: So, mm-hmm.
2: like um, one of the symbols of uh, you'll see a lot if you get if you check out the bushcraft uh, world you'll see the smoking rabbit and everybody's like, well, what that, what does that mean? What, you know, what, you know, what is that? And um, it's actually an old uh, indigenous people's legend. And I think Eastern tribes, you know, rabbit was the trickster originally because mm-hmm. I know you think, you know, when you think of oh, coyotes, a trickster coyotes, a trickster
0: rabbit was the, is the Cherokee trickster.
2: Yeah. Rabbit is the East coast trickster because coyote has only been here for 300 years. Yep. And Even then he's not really coyote, you know, he's a new animal, you know, quite well, yeah. you know, he's yeah. part You know, he's a different animal. This is a new animal and which is cool. You know, we're seeing the evolution of a new animal and So but coyote has not been here, you know, he, this is not part of his traditional range. So um, Rabbit was a trickster for the East Coast indigenous peoples so The legend goes, from what I understand it, is, you know, why does rabbit have time to smoke his pipe as wolf, panther, bobcat, and bear are hunting him? Do you guys know the answer? If not, I'll give you the answer.
0: I want to say because rabbit's smarter.
2: You're you're very close. Yeah, he's very close. It's because rabbit is confident in his abilities. You know, he's confident to be able to take care of himself, to outsmart his foes, you know, to be faster. You know, not necessarily physically faster or stronger, but he's confident in his abilities to take care of himself. And that's the answer. So that's why you see the smoking rabbit as a symbol, because I'm confident when I go out there, you know, that I can take care of myself. But it's also I'm not cocky. Cause when you get cocky, that's when mother nature or the other slaps you down. So, um, yeah. of kept part, you know, one of my inspirations, he always said in the school of the woods, there is no graduation day. That is very, very true. When you think, you know, everything, that's when you get proved that you're not, you don't know everything <laughs> by right. mother nature or the other. Or whatever. So, and and if you look and going back to the paranormal world, if you look at the, these guys who think they have everything figured out, you know, they have proof or whatever, uh, either the proof disappears, or they get proven wrong, you know, or something. You know, I thought I had the recording, like you said, it was gone. <laughs> so. Yep. yep. The maximum I'm, still holds.
1: <laughs> I know. I'm amazed I've been able to photograph lights. I I didn't think I'd be able to. But again, what's it going to prove to anybody? Nothing. Exactly. All it, all it does is it proves to me, one, that there's light there. Physically, there is actually some sort of light producing something producing actual light. It's not completely in my head. So it proves that. And it proves also that some part of it is in my head because it Mm -hmm. doesn't appear as it does to my eyes. So, but unless you were there standing there with me, experiencing it, the photograph I can show you, I mean, you've seen it, it it, it doesn't mean anything.
2: Well, here's the thing. Even if I was standing there, experience it with you. You might not see the same thing. Exactly. 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 I mean we've been in the woods. There were four of us in the woods and and dead center in Site 7 with lights going off and I seen something different you know than what they saw. I mean we saw some things that were similar or looked the same to us but there were still times where I'm looking at the same thing that Tim's looking at and he's like do you see this? I'm like well it looks like this to me. He's like well that's not what I'm seeing. You know and we've had that happen multiple times and and that's one it, why it's good that, you know, when we do research on this stuff and we go check out this stuff, we have each other to bounce each other off of. If that, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And, and we've had, I mean, we've had, you know, we've had also where we've heard the same things or we've seen the same things and uh, that that happens more often than not, but we still have the incidences where, you know, Something happens and I'm seeing something different than him and, you know, and I've had it where I've seen stuff and he hasn't seen anything or vice versa. Right. You know? And I'm just like, uh, there's something there, you know, he's like, well, what makes you think that? I'm like, well, I, 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 see it and you know, I get a certain feeling or he gets a certain feeling and you know, we really trust our gut instincts because more often than not, it's like I said, that's Right. <laughs> Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: So I do have to ask because I, I, Tim said this to me once, and and I don't think it was when we were recording anything. I think we were just talking. But have you ever looked back on things that you saw, like the lights? uh, you know, not like last week, but a while ago, and and they feel kind of like. Unreal, like your brain is trying to say, no, that didn't really. It they didn't really look like that. Or have you ever had your brain try to minimize it, or have you been able to be like, no, no, I, I've seen them, and that's what they look like.
2: Um, like have they changed over time for me? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like the yeah. feeling like I'm minimizing, or yeah, I've doubted Does what you, I've seen.
1: Yes, H- has your brain ever tried to make you doubt? what you saw
2: in the past yes yeah. uh, but not now i've yeah. experienced so much now in the last two years it's to the like tim says he's ruined me <laughs> <laughs> but I, I i don't i don't doubt that's not the probably not the quite word right wordage you can't always make sure that your eyes are seeing the truth, because your eyes can be deceived. Okay, when I go out there, I'm not like, oh, every noise is the other, or every light is this. I always yeah. try, and you know, I am a. A lot of what I do is science for a living, so you know, I try and approach it from a scientific point of view, and try and you know, you know, was that a now? Was this an animal that I heard? You know, are those really glowing eyes, or is that the eye shine? Is that really a deer? You know. And people don't hear it on the podcast, but there's been times we've been fooled, you know, you know, we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And, you know, we're like, oh, that was a deer, you know, you know, I've approached something that looked odd and it actually was a deer. But, a lot, you know, because sometimes they do act differently. But you, know, after you've been in the woods, you know, you kind of know what's not a deer and what's not acting like a deer.
1: But right. anyways,
2: but when I look back on things and I'm like, you know. Did I, did I experience it? I don't doubt that I experienced something. Does, does that help answer your question?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: I know I experienced something. Now, do I remember the intensity? Not all the time. Sometimes I like, I'll go out, like if we go, go back to site seven and I'll be like, Oh God, I forgot how intense this place really is. Or I'll go to Harry Springs. I'm like, Oh geez, I forgot how, how, uh, Um, Strong this place reacts, you know, and I think sometimes if I remembered actually how really bad Or strongly I shouldn't say bad because I don't think I've ever had a horrible bad experience I've been site seven has spooked me pretty good a couple times and um, If I had total recall sometimes of how really intense some of these places are I might not go back so, yeah. but I don't know if that's just my brain, like a survival thing, you know, kicking in. So I don't, you know, not go or if it's like these things want me to come back, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm anything special. And I always say that, like, you know, I don't walk around being like, oh, I'm a psychic. You know, I have some kind of special sense. I have some kind of special power. I, I don't do that at all. Like, a. I never asked for these experiences, it just seems to have found me. And but I don't ever doubt that I've experienced something, if that helps. Did, did yeah. that answer your question?
1: Yeah, it did. I just I occasionally, you know, I'll look out the bedroom window and and the lights will be out there. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the first time I saw them this year was in um, March. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really early for, you know, fireflies. And a friend of mine said on Facebook, I saw fireflies tonight. And I'm like, you did not see fireflies, dude. <laughs> Those were not fireflies. I'm sorry. Because as I watched them, then then the colors, you know, they weren't firefly colored. And, you know, I look at it and I'm like, you know, sometimes I think I forget the intensity of the color and how close they will come to the house. And, you know, sometimes I just, you know, then I look back on, you know, when we were seeing them back in the nineties and how they, you know, a couple of times would come into the house and would be in the house. And, after a few years, I did kind of go, did that really happen? I think it happened. Yeah, something happened, but I don't know what what it was. And then I see them again, you know, 20 years later, and I go, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but a lot of my friends who saw them at the same time as we did back in the 90s, they've they've forgotten most of the details of it. And Tim and I were thinking that maybe that was the sort of uh, uh response of the brain to kind of sort of gloss over it and minimize it so that it's not as disturbing. it's like a survival, yeah, for people to not think about that,
2: yeah, and I, I, I can see that i mean i I for some reason can recall details. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I don't know why. I mean, because a lot of times, like I'll say to Tim, you know, you'll hear us on the podcast. I'm like, well, remember this? And he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So, yeah, I think not that's... saying. he Huh? Go ahead.
1: I, I like it's a reef of reflexive forgetting. Mm-hmm. Like when you and, and Brittany saw the UFOs, Morgana, yeah. and then you meant to tell me that night. And you didn't and it we, was like a week or so before you told we me. We
0: forgot for t- we saw them and then we forgot for two whole hours, and then all of a sudden we both remembered at the exact same moment that we had just yeah. seen three UFO for three low flying UFOs, and we were like, Oh my god.
2: Yeah, and we've then had that happen. To
0: call mom and then I forgot for a week, and then after I told her, we finally remembered it properly. And it's stuck in our heads.
2: Yep. We'll have like me and him will talk. Like we'll forget details sometimes. We'll forget some details. And I'll say, well, remember this. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And then if we talk, then we get the whole story. You know? Yeah. He'll yeah. forget a little bit. I'll forget a little bit. But sometimes I can have total recall on some things. Like I can tell you exactly word for word what happened to me at White Rocks. Like I will never forget that. Because right. there are certain experiences that have been burned indelibly in my brain. You know, there is no way, you know, I'm not going to ever forget the knife story. I'm not going to forget what happened to me at White Rocks. Um, Dark Hollow, I I remember a lot of what happened, happens there. But I know the more we experience, like it seems like also like, like I said earlier, it seems like a lot of it also becomes one. If that makes any sense. Because it's not that I'm becoming numb you know, because the day I become numb to this and it loses its wonder, that will be a sad day. And yeah. I don't think that will ever happen because it just seems like whenever we are, I let my guard down, that's when it kicks us. And it's like, you left your guard down, okay? Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna smack you guys around. Like, cause woods. We're just like, oh, let's go here. Yeah, that was a totally random choice that night. You know, we weren't like, oh, we're going here because this was reported. No, we're just like, oh, let's just go down here, see what happens. You know, we were freestyling and bam, you know, we got, we got slammed. And it was, it had been a while since we had something of that intensity. Right. You know? and I think sometimes when we, we get jaded, it, it likes to jog us a little bit and say, okay, you know, I can do this. You know pandemonium was definitely an eye-opener for me if I had any doubts after pandemonium I had there were none There were none. I mean that was That was probably the Gazoo's was intense, but this one was you know, pandemonium was probably the most intense you know Thing I've ever happened other than what at White Rocks, which was like definitely an eye-opener but that pandemonium was like you know it was it was off the hook. I mean, we still—if you go back and listen to that footage—we can hear things that we still find stuff. You know, we we couldn't put everything. As you know, it's hard to put everything on the right. podcast for everybody to hear. We still hear new things, and it's like, oh my god, that was there too. And you know, I still remember that moment when I'm I'm basically was dead asleep, and he was like, "Are you awake?" And I'm like, "Huh." I'm like, yeah, uh, I think so. And he's like, I'm over here shaking in my tent. And I'm like, what, are you cold? You know, because that's my first response. (laughs) Are you cold? That's what I asked him. I said, are you just cold? You
3: know? I love that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm like, are you cold? Are you just cold? He goes, he goes, no, man. I mean, you can hear it on the podcast. You can hear him say, you know, on the episode, you can hear him say, no, man. He's like, "I'm, I'm, I'm spooked. I'm scared. He's like, there's knocking and And at first I'm just, I'm still kind of waking up. I'm dazed. And and then I hear that bang. And then next thing you know, something bounces off the back of my tarp Uh and I'm like, (laughs) Oh geez, this is real. You know, here we go. And, and, you know, then right away I go into, what am I going to do? How am I going to deal with this, this, whatever's going on. And, you know, first thing I'm like, there's people out here and, Yeah. Yeah. And that's when I said, you know, we're just going to sit here and we're going to wait. You know, I looked at the time, two hours to daylight. We're just going to sit still because if we try and pack up and make a mad rush to the car, we could hurt ourselves.
1: You're going to get a broken leg. That's asking for trouble. Yes. Back your head on a tree branch. Exactly. So many many things happen. A whole lot of trouble.
2: We'll see. One thing I do, especially if we're overnighting or if we get – if we're going to be in a place that's going to be – we're going to be there at night, I like to get there during the day and scout out and know what's around me for that very reason. So I know the lay of the land. Like when we went to Pandemonium, I insisted that we walk that hill around us, around the campsite. So I knew how – where the creeks were, where the trees were. So at night, I can orient myself. And I also wanted to go to, the, to the, the cemetery and walk around, know the area. But now I've wandered over that area so well. I know, it, I know it very, very, very well. I can tell you where most of the houses used to be and so on and so forth. But I I like to check an area out so I know what what we're doing. Because I do not like showing up in the middle of the night. I mean, we've done it. And we're like, we've never been here before and start walking around. You know, that's, you know, that's not, I'd like to know the lay of the land, so to speak. Yeah. But, but no, pandemonium, I knew as I was like, we're just going to hang here until the sun comes up if we can. And I had a certain point where if it got really bad, we were going to go, but it, it was bad enough. And you know, that, I had finally had enough, especially when I heard it walking on the gravel road around my vehicle. I'm like, okay, you're screwing with my truck, and that's when I grabbed my axe and I walked up there. And of course, it left whatever it was, and or moved whatever. And I said, okay, I'm just going to establish a perimeter. And just for some reason, I when I did that, you know, I told Tim, keep your light on me, so that way you can see me. And I'm just going to push out, see if I can't find anything. And then it just seemed to push out and then it was just like I established a boundary and then it, it, it calmed from then on you know, and then the Sun came up and it was over but One of the most scary moments I don't know if I said this on the podcast But I'm gonna I'm gonna tell this too is when we were actually leaving and we were packing up the vehicle and I walk up to the truck and the grass you know between you know the truck is probably about 30 yards from where we were camping you know, it's like a 30-yard trail. You can see the, I can see the forerunner from where we were camping. And I'm walking back on the access trail to the campsite and the grass is probably waist high and I could literally see the wake in the, in the tree, in the grass where something had come up, walked on the gravel and then walked back between us and the truck, crossed over that trail and was circling around us and you could literally see footprint, like, Two-legged footprints that had smashed the ground. It was not a deer or a bear. It was like two-legged footprints had passed through this grass. And it was between us and the car. I'm like, damn. Yeah, oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no. That, that's when I was like, oh, wow. So, because I heard something moving along on the, on the one creek bed. And then I heard it crunching on the gravel. Like, literally, like, footsteps on the gravel. That if I was walking on the gravel towards my vehicle right. and that's that's when I grabbed my axe and went up the trail. But yeah, you could see the wake in the in the grass and it had then it circled back around and then where whatever it was had spun that that spring on onto his paracord. You could see the footprints and the wake in the grass where it had passed through and it was literally looking at me. Like I as I was sleeping, I could see his pack hanging in there. So I don't know what it was to this day, but man, that was, that was probably the most intense time ever with Gazoo's Woods being a close second because, you know, I have things in in front of me that I can hear them, but I couldn't see them.
1: Yeah. That's, that's spooky.
2: That was real spooky. We were seeing things at pandemonium, you know, there was something there. Tim saw something white and we were seeing things, you know, but, Whatever was at Kazoo's woods was whatever was at Pandemonium was staying out of the light range of the lights. you know we' flash a light and it would be and then you would hear it behind us. there was more than one, whatever the hell it was. But Kazoo's woods, it, my light beam of light is on in that area and you can hear it and you couldn't see nothing. And yeah, that was crazy. So they both were intense in their own special way <laughs> as all this stuff happens to be.
3: You yeah, know, yeah. In a
2: super super special way. So, but yeah, yeah.
1: That's that's crazy. Crazy.
2: crazy.
0: <laughs> cool, crazy, but crazy. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> depends on the time of day. <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, it might not be very cool at night.
3: Yeah, I don't know how
0: happy I'd be if, in that scenario. I'd probably yeah. wish I was in a treehouse <sighs> with the ladder pulled up.
2: Well, you know, I bet those not... critters
0: can climb real good. I'm sure I'm they can trying. climb. It's a security blanket. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I, like I said, and then, then we went pandemonium. We have this hag thing going on, and and that's that's nuts too. So, but yeah, that's, that's gonna, is... yeah, that's
1: <laughs> very, very creepy. Yeah,
2: that's that is very creepy. So.
1: Well, we've been talking for about two hours, and I know yeah. you've past your bedtime.
2: I know. You haven't asked any questions. I feel like I've just been rattling, rambling on.
1: It's it really t- good rambling, though. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. I was like, it's just like hanging around in my living room talking. I, yeah. I don't necessarily ask questions unless I have to. I didn't have to, so it's fine. <laughs> All right.
2: Well, I can always come back. You yes, know. you
1: can if you guys want me to come back yes please so you are always always welcome um thank you for for being here with us maybe next time you come back we'll have kendra with us too she's another Uh, and and woodsy person Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you.